Today's show is sponsored by Teleport. Are you building cloud applications with a distributed team? Then check out Teleport, an open source, identity-aware access proxy for cloud resources. Teleport provides secure access to anything running somewhere behind NAT, SSH servers, Kubernetes clusters, internal web apps, and databases. Already trusted by industry leaders, Teleport is a great solution for organizations that need to secure their infrastructure and comply with security best practices, such as role-based access control, preventing data exfiltration, providing visibility, and ensuring compliance. Download Teleport today at goteleport.com slash cloudcast. That's goteleport.com slash cloudcast. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well. Another Sunday perspective show, and uh, we continue to move through August of 2020. A couple of things that I've covered here on some of the last uh, Sunday shows. I know I did a, a show not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, looking at sort of comparing public and private cloud costs. Uh, part of that was done uh, based on an article that was written um, by Martin Casado over at A16Z, you know, looking at cloud repatriation. Uh, but we really looked at sort of overall, you know, how do you look at and measure some of the the costs of doing things on premises or in private cloud uh, versus doing things in the public cloud? Um, and how do you compare them? How do you look at them holistically, not just sort of uh, on a per line item basis? Um, and then we also did a show kind of looking at, you know, when you're trying to modernize, uh, this was maybe last week or the week before, you know, when, when your business sort of makes some decisions of, hey, we, we've got to modernize, we've got to go through digital transformation, whatever that uh, driving factor might be, how do you go about thinking about that? What are the really critical things that are involved? And I thought what I would do um, as a follow-up, and I know I mentioned this in a previous show that I would try and get to this, is look at, you know, once you make those decisions that you want to modernize some aspect, some element, some percentage of your portfolio of the applications that you have within your company, how do you go about doing that in terms of thinking about the costs of it? Uh, because a lot of times we get wrapped up in the technology of it. Oh, we should move to containers. We should move to uh, serverless. We should move to the public cloud. We should move to something else from where we're at. Uh, but we don't always necessarily look at kind of how do we evaluate those costs because those costs involve a number of things, right? There is a transition of technology, obviously. There's a transition of people. There's a transition of a potentially ownership and then long-term maintenance of those things. So I thought what I would do in today's uh, show is dig into some of those aspects, really look at, you know, kind of a more holistic view of how do you look at that. And we'll get to that right after the break. Today's show is sponsored by Cloud Zero. For software-driven companies focused on growing margins, CloudZero is the only cloud cost intelligence platform that puts engineering in control by connecting technical decisions to business results. By analyzing cloud services like AWS and Snowflake, CloudZero provides real-time cost insights that help you maximize margins. Engineering teams can answer critical questions like, who are my most expensive customers? How much does this specific feature cost our business? What's the cost impact of re-architecting this application? With cost anomaly alerts via Slack, product-specific data views, and granular engineering context that makes it easy to investigate any cost, CloudZero is your complete cloud cost intelligence platform, connecting the dots between high-level trends and individual line items. Join companies like Drift, Rabbit7, and SeatGeek by visiting cloudzero.com cloudcast to get started today. That's cloudzero.com cloudcast. Today's show is sponsored by Datadog 
With infrastructure monitoring, distributed tracing, and logs, Datadog provides end-to-end visibility into the health and performance of modern applications. Datadog's distributed tracing and APM generates detailed flame graphs for real requests, enabling you to visualize how requests propagate through your distributed infrastructure. See which services or calls are generating errors or contributing to overall latency, and dive deeper into your production code with an always-on code profiler to pinpoint the root cause. Start monitoring your applications with a free trial, and Datadog will send you a free t-shirt. Visit datadog.com slash APM cloudcast. That's datadog.com slash APM cloudcast. And we're back. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to dive a little bit into sort of what does it cost? What are the cost implications? Imp- implications, implications, yeah, of, uh, of doing app modernization, of looking at migrating applications from an on-prem environment to the public cloud, and really kind of trying to bring your portfolio of applications up into a, a more modern environment. You know, there's a lot of things that could go involved with it. Um, let's take a look at some frameworks that I like to think about, um, both from you know things I've experienced, uh, having worked with a number of companies, as well as just uh, kind of following what's going on in the industry. And I think the first thing that you really have to look at as you're digging into this is what's driving the change? Um, because there can be a lot of things that drive the change and and those different aspects can have very different timeframes, very different dependencies and so forth. So what are some of the things that are often will drive uh, a company to say, hey, we have to really move on on some sort of app modernization, digital transformation, app migration, whatever they may want to call it. On that list is typically something along these lines. Um, it may be that the technology that you use is going end of life or it's no longer being supported. Uh, maybe the company that uh, that created it, that you acquired it from, uh, is being uh, being bought and maybe they're no longer going to be supporting it anymore. So that oftentimes will create a kind of a, a short time frame that you've got to work through. So that's something that you really want to understand. Not only, okay, when does end of life happen? When does end of support happen? Mm-hmm. What does end of support or end of life mean? Does that mean... You no longer can get the code. It means you, know, you no longer can get patches. No longer can get security updates. Um, so that's going to put a, a sort of a definitive time frame on what you're trying to do. And maybe the first thing you're looking to do in those scenarios is figure out: is there an alternative that's being offered? Maybe from that same company. Maybe they have an upgrade path to something else. Another one that we see happen is <clears throat> industry standards change. Maybe the industry or the standard that you're using, or the protocol that you're using, the system that you're using is no longer really aligned to the industry standard. So for example, uh, maybe you had a way of interacting with uh, mobile devices and then Android came along and iPhone came along or the way that you had to build your application uh, and its access methodologies changed, right? Something along those lines. In those cases, um, oftentimes you can continue to get away with it, but you're going to find it's going to have very, very shrinking uh, margin or shrinking market that's going to be able to, to interact with you. So that's often something that, again, um, you typically should be keeping up with. Uh, hopefully you're keeping up with sort of the, the industry standards that are evolving. Uh, that's why we talk about things like Cloud News of the Week every week. Um, but, you know, that's something that is going to, you know, maybe not immediately impact you, that it won't work, but it's probably definitely going to impact how much business you're able to to capture. And so that's another area that, that you know, oftentimes drives these transformations. Um, in some cases, you know, it's not uh, something's going away, but it's, you know, the system can't keep up. So maybe uh, the the trend in your industry has changed. Something has changed the way that people access things, uh, the volume of traffic, um, 
the way that the system works in terms of maybe the number of calls it makes to a database or something along those lines, and the system may not be able to keep up. And that may just be a, a situation in which you can remedy the problem through hardware or um, you know some updates uh, to software, the underlying operating system, maybe something along those lines. So that sometimes doesn't necessarily have to be an immediate thing, but something that you can factor into your normal budgeting cycles, your normal uh, planning cycles and upgrade cycles. Another area is, you know, do you have the ability to continue to maintain it with the people that you have? Maybe you lost key people, right? And we've seen this happen not only with, you know, people talk a lot about legacy things. So, oh, you know, the mainframe engineers have retired or something. We can't find COBOL engineers. We saw that, uh, especially during the pandemic when we had insurance claims and stuff. But oftentimes it happens with new technologies, right? We saw, we've seen instances where, uh, you know, entire groups of, of a team, maybe, uh, you know, we saw this in the OpenStack days, we've seen this with Kubernetes, where entire teams will just sort of pick up and move and go to somewhere else, right? So they've taken all their skills, all their experiences they picked up and moved. Um, that's another area which you have to really assess, uh, am I able to replace them? Or am I able or am I in a situation where I now have to start from scratch and, and look at something else? So uh, definitely something to consider and also definitely something to consider as you are evaluating just on an ongoing basis. How much of this do we want to build ourselves versus do we want to buy from somebody or consume as a service from somebody? So always in that build versus buy sort of uh, paradigm as well. And then the last part is, you know, people talk a lot about technology debt or they talk about, you know, having older systems. How much of that is is crippling economically, right? Are you uh, spending three times as much to do a transaction? Are you, are you in an economic situation because of your technology that's making your business really not competitive? So... All those things are very, very valid reasons why you might be doing modernization, um, you know, and, and we see those over and over again. Uh, you know, just bringing in new people or having new leadership isn't always the greatest reason to do it. Oftentimes, it's one of the impetuses, but oftentimes other things that I talked about are typically uh, more driven because they're driven by the business. They're driven by things that are they're going to create barriers for you to be able to succeed in the marketplace, scale in the marketplace, be able to attract talent and so forth. Now, one of the very first things that you have to ask yourself is, so you've decided that uh, there's a reason for you to make a change. There's a good, viable business reason, good economic reason. Maybe it's a good technical reason to make the change. Are you going to own the change or are you going to outsource the change? And what I mean by that is if you are going to own the change, you really have to start looking at, okay, we're going to make this change. We're going to own it for the most part in-house. You may get some help from a vendor or consultant or something, but ultimately you're going to own that change. And you're going to, you know, begin maintaining it and living with it uh, going forward, right? And so, you know, things that you really have to look at is, you know, if you're making change to an existing application, for example, do you have the code, right? Do you have do you have access to the source code? Do you have the rights to the code if it's something that you had bought from somebody? Um, do you have free resources available, right? Or are you going to have to take away from an existing project or existing skill sets that you're going to have to bring some things together? So not only do you have the technology available to you, do you have the people available to you? And then, you know, also, do you have the ability to run parallel systems? So, it's, you know, it's one thing to be able to pull somebody off of a project to work on this new thing, but did you still need them to work on the old thing at the same time? And so you really have to factor in all those things. Are you going to be able to, to you know, move it forward? Do you have the technology to do it? Do you have the ability to assign the right number of people to be able to do it? And again, Oftentimes, this is where see people, uh, companies get into trouble. They sort of double dip, if you will. They assume that one person can do two jobs at the same time or that um, you won't have problems along the way. They underscope it uh, and so forth. 
And then finally, you know, again, you have to be looking at, you know, how are you going to manage the transition process? Because if this is a, a short-term thing, maybe not a problem, right? You skip a few scrums, uh, a few, um, you know, periods of, of work on the old one. But if this is a long-running problem, a uh, long-running transition and so forth, you really have to plan that because oftentimes people underscope it, they under-budget it, then they start getting themselves in trouble halfway through it, and then they're sort of, you know, one foot in, uh, you know, one foot in one camp and one foot in the other, and they really get themselves in trouble. So if you're going to own it, um, you really have to look at those three factors uh, very, very closely and make sure that uh, as you're scoping it, you're taking into consideration uh, that, that problems happen, that unexpected things happen, that other priorities will come along, and how are you going to manage those things? Now, if you're going to outsource the change, um, that's a little bit different, right? This is where you're basically realizing, okay, uh, I don't have those necessary skills, I don't necessarily have the time, um, and I need you know, I need to bring in expertise. And hopefully by working with the right sort of partners, you're able to bring in expertise that hopefully accelerates your learning curve. Now you're obviously going to pay more for this. Uh, you're bringing in ex- outside expertise. Um, they want to be, um, you know, compensated for their, their skills and expertise. And this is where you really have to look at, you know, how well scoped is your project? Uh, because depending on the contract that you have to, to make changes, um, you know, is it, are you paying them on an outcome basis? Are you paying them on some sort of staged outcome basis? And, and then, you know, maybe there's change fees along the way. And then, um, you know, you have to have the right financial incentives. And I, and I mean, I mean by that is not just you negotiated the right price up front um, or the right scope up front, but you really want to put incentives in place that, um, you know, encourages the person that you're working with that you're going to outsource the project to, um, or the, the transition to, um, to want to work in your best interest, right? You want to make sure that they're compensated and they're, they feel encouraged to work, uh, quickly, actively, uh, professionally, uh, do it in a very timely manner and do it in a very, uh, quality manner. But you also want to make sure that they understand what your goals are and you want to try and find that right win-win. So that it's not just a, Hey, uh, big dollar figure, number of years, and you sort of walk away from it. Cause those are the ones that oftentimes, um, you know, you, you lose a lot of people along the way, you end up paying a lot of change fees along the way. So kind of keep all those things in mind as you're trying to think about the transition and which applications you really want to own versus you really want to think about sort of outsourcing the transition process. Now, once the systems have been evolved, have been transformed, maybe you moved uh, a set of, you know, existing workloads into the public cloud. Maybe you just migrated a VM to another VM, right? Okay, that happens, right? Maybe you built something brand new into the cloud and transitioned off of it, right? Maybe you uh, took an existing system and transitioned to a SaaS system, right? Like an email system, collaboration system, uh, ERP, CRM system, great. Now, the second sort of tier of this own versus outsource is, are you going to own the future or are you going to outsource the future, because, again, the same way that you were thinking about that uh, question, asking yourself that question um, while you were doing the transition, while you were making this migration, the app migration, you really have to think about this after the fact. Because even in scenarios in which maybe you outsourced the transformation, at that point, you may want to own it. You may want to say, hey, look, um, you know, now that we have, we're, we're now onto one system, we have a modern system. And it's something that maybe you plan to make incremental changes to. Maybe you're going to begin integrating a whole lot of different things with it. And you want to own those changes. You want to be able to own those going forward. So, you know, as you're thinking about that, that becomes sort of the first, second tier question to ask is, am I going to own this or am I going to continue to outsource it? 
And if you're going to own the future, um, this is where you really have to ask yourself, are we properly staffed now for the new environment that we want to be in? Are we staffed? Are we culturally aligned? Are we organizationally aligned? Do we have the right incentives to do things like DevOps, to do DevSecOps? You know, are we able to embrace new technologies? Do we have people on staff that can do that? Do we have a mechanism in place to continue to train people that want to work on uh, and learn these new technologies, right? So you want to make sure that if you're going to take on this new state, um, you're going to be well prepared for it and that you've got the right people, you've got the right process, um, and that you you know, have the right ways of measuring and reporting and internally communicating and collaborating uh, to make those successful. And if not, then that's fine. If you decide, hey, we transformed a bunch of applications and um, they're important to us, but maybe they're not the most important. Maybe they're sort of second tier, third tier type of applications. And maybe it makes sense to continue to outsource those. Right. And again, this is where you start looking at, you know, did you choose a SaaS option? Okay. Well, if you chose a SaaS option, um, that's great because you've you know fundamentally said, hey, we're going to outsource this, but you get the benefit of the cloud. You get the benefit of cloud pricing, cloud on-demand resources, the ability to scale it up and down, the ability to potentially turn it off if you don't want to use it. But if you're not, um, then you want to look at some other options, right? Like, is this something that um, is really critical to your business? Could you sell the application? Could you sell the service to somebody else and then basically rent it back? Could you create a scenario in which um, you know you can get into a more on-demand OpEx type of thing? So maybe what you're trying to do is you're trying to create an overall environment in which everything's OpEx. So that might be an option to take a look at. It's not just uh, outsource it to somebody to help you with the transition, but maybe you know sell it off, outsource it to them full time, right? And then obviously, probably the third thing that always comes up is sort of outsourced manpower that becomes on an on a ongoing basis. And we see some systems integrators that do this all the time, whether it's you know Tata or Infosys or IBM or uh, Deloitte or DXC or lots of other Accenture and others who will do this. And again, um, depending on your business and depending on how frequently you need to change that part of your business or whether or not this is just something that um, is sort of competency versus core of your business, it might make sense to outsource it, right? And and again, economically look at it, look at how many changes you're going to make and those sorts of things. But you want to be able to have kind of a, a good awareness uh, as you're going into this of what am I going to do up front? How do we decide what we're going to do uh, once we decide that this is the right thing to do? And then how do we think about it once that task has already happened? Because, again, this is sort of a big flywheel, if you will. At some point, a, a new application becomes old. <laughs> An old application either gets modernized or may get um, displaced. It may get you know kind of put down, if you will. Um, and so you want to sort of have a thing in place that says, hey, how do we start to think about this more systematically across the business? So with that, I'm going to kind of wrap it up. Um, you know, we didn't go into a lot of the numbers there because obviously, you know, the numbers are always going to be relative, right? It's not unusual to talk to a large enterprise company who has 2,000 applications, three, four, five thousand 5,000 applications. And typically what they're going to do is they're going to go through and they're going to look at uh, which ones need to be retired, which ones need to just be go through sort of re-hosting or re-platforming, right? Same application, but, you know, we're going to put some more juice and some more hardware underneath it. And then there's going to be a percentage that are going to be refactored or re, re um, you know kind of modernized or sort of reapplicated. Re, uh, yeah, that's the word. Um, you know, you're going to make changes to them, and it's not unusual for that to be twenty percent, ten percent, fifteen percent, thirty percent. Like it's probably not going to be the bulk. Um, it's going to be the most complicated, right? And so 
what I wanted to try and do with this was not really to sort of get into the dollars and cents of, you know, which one makes the most sense. Um, they all sort of have well-known factors that you can apply to them. But as you think about the most complicated ones, those ones you want to modernize and migrate, um, you know, kind of refactor and so forth, uh, you do want to have a plan as to how you do it. Do you want to own it? Do you want to outsource it? Does it have the right, do you have the right metrics in place that, that you know the business benefit of doing it? So hopefully this was somewhat helpful. Um, you know, anytime folks would like to, uh, to talk about it, happy to chat with you about it anytime, you know, send us a note to show it at the cloudcast.net, happy to sort of share some experiences or share some, uh, you know, some contacts with people who I know have done this really, really well. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up folks. As always, thank you so much for listening to the Sunday shows. Uh, we really appreciate it. We help you help us grow the show. Uh, we continue to, uh, see the show growing uh, week over week, month over month and uh, quarter over quarter. So, um, that only happens because of you. Uh, we're glad to do these for you every Wednesday and every Sunday. So thanks again for listening to the show. Thanks for telling a friend. And with that, we will wrap it up and talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the cloudcast. Please visit the cloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 